Welcome to Mormon Happy Hour. My name is Colleen Dietz. Join me and my guests each week for an entertaining recap of the hottest topics in Mormonism. We keep tabs on social media and headline news so you don't have to. Don't miss our live pro tips as you adjust to your new and exciting post-Mormon life. Mormon Happy Hour is here to bring you the irreverent side of Mormonism, wherever you may be. Welcome to episode 69. God damn, what a missed opportunity. This is when I should have done the episode on the oral sex ban, right? Well, sorry. At least you got it so much earlier instead. But what I have for you instead today is also something that is very, very fascinating. I mean, you know, because anyway, <laughs> today we're going to be talking about tarot reading and other magical, mystical things and how they are perceived kind of as we are Mormon and then as we leave the world of Mormonism kind of how tarot and other magical, mystical, uh, oracle readings, things like that can be utilized in our lives and what purpose they can serve. So I hope you have a great time listening to Sarah Catherine Staley Hanks. She is a beloved of our ex-Mormon and feminist Mormon communities. So I hope you love this. I, I had to redo the episode all week long. I had to... T- transcribe every word that I said and then re-record it. So I apologize if it sounds super choppy, but something happened in the Zoom recording with Sarah that ruined my voice and it was like crackly and poppy and you'll hear it in a couple places where I wasn't able to edit it out. But I did my best to take out the chunks. I had to transcribe every fucking word I said. So now I know how much I talk apologies, and then re-record it and put it back in so that the episode made sense. So, so sorry. This sucked, but I'm really glad that I got it all put together because it was worth it. This was worth it. I really hope that you enjoy it as much as I did. And Mormon Happy Hour listeners, I wanted to give you a heads up that today's guest, Sarah, is launching a course on spirituality, specifically for women and femmes who have left the church or who are in the process of doing so. Registration is open until April 28th, so check out the link in the episode's show notes to get all the information. So, without further ado, please enjoy Sarah. Welcome to Mormon Happy Hour. I have a guest with us today. I had the amazing opportunity not too long ago, one of my listeners slash friends offered to give me an oracle reading because she she kind of got the sense that I was in a bit of a funk. So she reached out, offered, I said, sure. So we did it and it was a wonderfully uplifting experience that I was not expecting coming from Mormonism, all my skepticism. (laughs) So funny to look back on skepticism about things outside of Mormonism. That's just ironic. So that was kind of my prompt. And I started looking more into readings and remembered that the beloved Sarah Hanks, who is very well known in the feminist Mormon and post-Mormon and Mormon communities, she has forayed into tarot reading and she's become quite 
quite the expert. And so I definitely went to her and asked her some questions and she was willing to share her, her knowledge, her experience, and also do a reading with me today. So that is what I have brought her on to do. So Sarah, I want to turn the rest of the time over to you. If you would give us a brief introduction of yourself and mm -hmm. kind of where you are in Mormonism and, and how you got into tarot okay. reading. Yeah, totally. So my name's Sarah Hanks. Um, online, I usually go by like all my names, which is Sarah Catherine Staley Hanks, in case that jogs anyone's memory. Um, yeah, I have been a, um, a blogger at Feminist Mormon Housewives, co-editor of the 10-year anniversary book for, for Feminist Mormon Housewives called Where We Must Stand. Um, and yeah, I've been in that community for a while. I grew up um, very, very Mormon in Southern Utah. Both of my, I think the most recent convert, convert baptism in my ancestry was like 1872 or something. Like my family's been in the church in every direction for a long time. And, um, and I always, I mean, I felt very happy and um, included and good in church all growing up. I was super into girls camp and young women and everything. And, and it wasn't until um, I got married that that shifted. And it was because of the experience of going to the temple for the first time. The endowment was really distressing to me. I was 21. Um, and it just kind of set me on this trajectory to be like, I don't know. Like I, I want to stay Mormon. Like I couldn't even conceive of not. I wanted to continue going to church. It was like my highest dream to be a young women leader and take young girls to girls camp. Like I had done and have that amazing experience. And so I, I tried a lot of things for a lot of years and that's how I, you know, fell in with the feminists basically. Um, and it wasn't until I was 30. So like nine years later that, mm -hmm. um, that I, after, I mean, the story is very long, but eventually it was just like, wow, I feel like I'm done now. I feel like I, I've tried everything. Everything that I've tried has only worked for a little while. And this isn't where I want to be anymore. And this isn't where God wants me to be anymore. Mm -hmm. And so I still fully consider myself a Mormon. Like I'm still on the records of the church. Like I said, my family is deep in Mormonism and everything, but I don't go to church anymore. That's basically, that's the short end of it, I guess. Fair enough. Wow. So yeah. many things, I, I feel like there's so many things in your story that are so universal. So where, where do we go from there? How does, uh, how does tarot reading? Yeah. Well, it's related for sure. Um, every summer for a number of years, um, there has been this basically grown up girls camp that some Mormon feminists have done in um, Utah County. And I went one year, it's just, you know, a lot of families hanging out, like camping together, having firesides and classes and stuff, all kind of pretty much what you would expect from an outdoorsy little retreat. And um, <clears throat> while I was there, I received my first tarot reading from Joanna Brooks. Um, and she just had a deck of tarot cards and was like, anybody want a reading? Come on over. And I don't remember hardly anything about mine, except that the final card in my reading was the devil card, which is like scary. You know, it, it freaked me out a little bit, but not much because jo Joanna was just like, oh, don't even worry about it. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I, it's not like I, I had like some huge experience from that first reading, but I was just like, I like this. This is cool. Like this is enjoyable. And so 
I, I think it was the next Christmas, but sometimes at sometime after that, I got a Barnes and Noble gift card and gift cards kind of feel like play money. And so mm-hmm. I went into Barnes and Noble and I was like, Oh, the metaphysical section, I'll get myself a tarot deck. And that was about five years ago. And for a long time, I just played with it. I was just like, Oh, this is cool. Like it's a fun thing to do with girlfriends, but I didn't take it incredibly seriously until I received another tarot reading. And that was actually a really transformative experience. Um, I just received it from a friend, um, not a professional or anything, but a friend of mine who had, who, to whom tarot was very important. And he did a reading for me. And just a couple of weeks earlier, I had had this moment in Relief Society where I was like, I don't think I want to go to church anymore. Like, that's strange. I never thought I'd see the day. And this reading was so, it was just huge in like confirming that, clarifying it, telling me like, this is, this is a dead end for you. Like you've gone as far as you know, you have to go somewhere else. And like, you're not imagining things. You are at that point, you need to make that change. And once I made that decision, I was like, okay, I'm not going to go to church anymore. It seems like also this tarot thing is better than I could have ever imagined. And so that's when I started making like a more serious study of it. Um, connecting with other tarot readers, trying out different decks and eventually like giving readings to others um, at first for free as practice and then um, professionally. Wow. Congratulations. That's quite the journey. And it's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a fun thing. And I wouldn't have expected it. But like, when I look back at myself as a little kid, I was always into kind of astrology and like weird things like that. And so it's like, there was, it tracks, even though it wasn't like the most obvious progression, it seems like there was a little bit of a foundation or some like foreshadowing of what was going to (laughs) happen. I think you were pre-inclined to be in touch with things like in a secularly spiritual way almost like a purely spiritual instead of a religious spirituality. Coming from Mormonism, it feels so ironic to me that we have this blind spot, like this disconnect for tarot reading and fortune telling. And it's just so hokey and woo woo. And we completely 100% disregard it and give it zero credit. I mean, like, I mean, that's how I was raised. And it literally took me personally receiving kind of like you to realize it's it's not that weird and no and it's and it feels very like like you were you were speaking to the guidance and the 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 kind of the aha moments that you received when you know especially during that time where you decided to no longer attend like that's a really powerful experience and 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 so when i was experiencing the reading a couple of weeks ago like it kind of harkens back a lot to like a patriarchal blessing or a priesthood blessing, like all of those things that we cherish and hold dear within Mormonism are exactly the same thing. They're exactly yeah. the same thing. The only difference yeah. is that Mormons attributed obviously to the priesthood and, and, and the power of God. But if that isn't, if you take that part away they're still exactly the same thing and you receive exactly the same benefits from it, regardless of, of the source of the, the meaning mm-hmm. for you, which, which I think is wonderful right. that, that tarot reading. And I'm sure you'll, you'll get into this farther, but cause I'm, I, I just stepped in, <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but my initial kind of reaction is that these type of things, 
you, they, they have the meaning that you give them and that's Mm -hmm. personal and up to you. And so you get to decide what it means to you in your life, which I think is beautiful and wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just going to say that I think you're right that like there is that same thing at the heart of it, whether you're getting a priesthood blessing or you're getting a tarot reading or you're having somebody read your birth chart in astrology or whatever, but like the medium, different mediums are going to kind of appeal for different reasons. And I, I really like tarot because it doesn't seem so, um, externally monitored basically. Like it's not as though anybody came to me and was like, you are now a tarot reader and like you have the authority and these other people don't. It's like anybody could be a tarot reader. Anybody can receive a reading and interpret the cards for themselves. You know, it's not all about like who has the power and who doesn't, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about tarot. Sure. So tarot, when people talk about tarot, they're talking about a deck of cards and it's a really specific deck of cards. So like when you received an Oracle reading, Uh Oracle decks, um, it's completely up to the discretion of the creator. Like, is this going to be an Oracle deck that, each card is a certain kind of plant or is this going to be an Oracle deck where it's um, each one is like a quote from, you know, a philosopher or whatever, like Oracle decks are completely um, different when you go from deck to deck. Tarot decks are um, precise. And so every tarot deck has 78 cards and it's the same cards, but the way that the artist or the creator chooses to portray them will obviously vary. So a tarot deck is made up of two parts. One is the major arcana. Sometimes you hear it like arcana, arcana. I don't know the right way to pronounce it. The major arcana, um, which is um, kind of the cards that tarot is more associated with. So you'll have like the fool card, the devil, the magician, the lovers, um, the hanged man. Uh And it's in a numerical order. It goes from number zero to number 21. Okay. And then the other part of the deck is the minor arcana. Most of the deck, like two thirds of it is the minor. So more cards are minor. Um, and those are pretty much like a regular deck of playing cards. You have four suits, numbered cards in each suit, court cards that rule the suits. Um, <laughs> so that's what a tarot deck is made up of. And you, it, depending on what you're doing with them, you can pull just one card, you can pull many cards. Um, but those are kind of the building blocks. Okay. Do you know much of the history of tarot or where its origins are? Right. I mean, it's a little bit shrouded in mystery. So you'll hear a lot of different theories. Um, What we know, the first tarot deck that we, the the oldest tarot deck that we have was made in the 1400s. And from what we can tell, it was just part of like a card game. It wasn't about um, divinatory meaning or like soul meaning or anything. It was just a deck of cards that people mm-hmm. used for a game called Tarocci and it was Italian. Okay. And, um, and then, you know, but people associate these images with like things from the book of revelation, things from Egyptian myth, like just, it, it seems like, it seems like there has been more endowed meaning added to it over the years, but it's very mysterious. Like, we don't know, is this something the Masons were involved with? Is this something that like, um, you know, that one person kind of created and other people added to, or was it very hodgepodge over the centuries? Like, it's kind of a mystery. That oldest deck is like one historical touchstone. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And then since then, there have been other people who have kind of made their mark on tarot. Um, but it's it, there's a lot of questions about it, basically. Uh-huh. And it's, yeah. so fu- it's so funny, as, as I learn more about it, I, I have to think back, you know, tarot reading is associated with fortune telling and psychics. And you picture that fortune telling parlor with whatever type of iconic kitsch like crystal ball something. And that's the expectation I have coming into tarot reading, that kind of skepticism. And then after experiencing it, I can't help but relate it to patriarchal blessings or any priesthood blessings. You go in expecting something. There's an understanding that there is some divine communication and that you will receive further knowledge through this experience. So it's so funny to me to compare that mindset with how I was raised to view tarot reading as a Mormon, even in broader culture and media, fortune telling gets this like woo woo negative discrediting. But now that it's something I've experienced, I realize that you're missing that that further because obviously where I am in my life, I'm not a believer in much divine intervention, especially when it comes to priesthood blessings or patriarchal blessings or just life in general. So for me to receive a card reading, what it's doing is it's opening up my own understanding. It's allowing me, it's kind of like a trigger, like a medium to allow myself to reflect on my life, to take a moment and pause and kind of use things to spark ideas that are already there in my mind. And it just gives direction. And that's beautiful, especially if you have left a religion and you no longer have that air quotes guidance in your life, you feel like it's lost and you can't find it anymore. And to experience a reading, all of a sudden you get that guidance back. And even if you don't feel like there's a divine source, for me, I realized oh, it's in me all along. I just needed a medium to help me reflect and look at myself and my life and my desires and listen to myself, the universe, if you will, and the direction it's telling me to take in my life. And you can attribute that to whatever divine source you believe in, or it can just be getting in tune with yourself and what's right for you. Yeah, I I agree. I think that's really, if a lot of times people will ask if I think tarot is magic uh-huh. and I think it is, but I think magic, I think, I think we're all magic. Like I think tarot readings are magical because we are, we are beings with the ability to like recognize truth and synthesize information and notice patterns. Mm-hmm. And we like have all this magic. I mean, and if magic's not a word you're comfortable with, I get it, but like, I like it. We have all this magic inside of us and to do something that sort of sidesteps the typical hustle and bustle of our lives. Like if you sit down with a deck of cards and you're like, this deck of cards can tell me something meaningful. Uh It allows your own magic to just kind of like flow out because it's not being stymied by your phone and, and your like work responsibilities. You know what I mean? Uh It just kind of like clear, clears the air a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of have the same feeling about like prayer, prayer as, you know, an agnostic or atheist or whatever. What purpose does it serve in your life now? To me, a hundred percent prayer is meditation. You know, it's, it's getting in tune with yourself again. And 
and again, like you said, it's just, it's just a medium. It's just a way to get in touch with that. And I think it's so funny that you're describing magic. And then, you know, if it's not a word that you're comfortable with, it, you can use any word in place of magic. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be, and again, magic is one of those words that gets this negative connotation, but it's, it's a beautiful thing. If you can believe that you, that, that you can know what's right for you. And, and I think really it helps us to get in tune with us on the inside. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think that's a beautiful thing, regardless of whether you want to use the word magic or anything else, but magic is kind of that perfect word to en- encapsulate something kind of mysterious that we can't really put our finger on, but it exists. And that's kind of what, what we are. And I feel like mm-hmm. as a Mormon, our authenticity is stifled so much in Mormonism. You know, we're always told and we listen and it's black and white and there's always an authority that, you know, and, and so our, our own intuitions, if they don't line up to what we've been told, we are taught to discount those intuitions. And, and that's such a tragedy, I think, because we're kind of taught to be numb, numb to ourselves. Yeah. And, and so that's right. kind of something that, that I've been seeking. And now that I've discovered reading, you know, I I could replace it with meditation or yoga or any of these other things, but just something, like you said, to slow you down and take you out of normal everyday chaos and give you a moment to be still and to listen. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's wonderful. It is. And I feel like it would be the same thing if, you had a jar, like I, I remember making these young women, like these journal jars, right? And it's like a jar with, with prompts that you uh-huh. pull out a paper every day. And it's like, that's what I'm going to journal about. It's effectively the same thing. It's just like, this is what I'm thinking about right now. And, um, and you can use that to sort of like inspire you and, and just think about things in a new way. So yeah. it's to me, I don't think tarot is, is like threatening as a lot of people perceive it to be just because it's like, this is a deck of cards and you just use them and see what, see what you feel. Like it's not, it's not as though you pull the death card and you're going to die or you pull a card and it's like, this is your future. It's just like an opportunity for self-reflection so that the wisdom that is inherently in you so that you can hear it a little more clearly. Yeah. It's beautiful. So you, um, you had some notes on, connections to Mormonism within divination. And I've, I've, we're vomited all of my ideas. So now I, I would love to hear your reflection on tarot reading and divination and mystical gifts and and how they tie into Mormonism. So what are, what are your ideas? Well, I think um, at least Mormonism as I was raised in it has this very weird contradictory thing going on where it's like, stay away from Ouija boards. Don't read your Zodiac horoscope thing. It's like, we don't want anything like that. But then at the same time, like we receive patriarchal blessings that tell us about our future, like before this earth life and what our destiny is and what our gifts are. Mm -hmm. Um, We believe in like the Holy ghost and promptings. And I was definitely taught to like do the thing where you say a prayer and then you open your scriptures to a random page and whatever verse you find is relevant. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, these are all sort of mystical approaches or mystical concepts that are very, very well integrated into like what it is to be a, a modern Mormon. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, 
if anybody is interested, I'm sure many of your listeners know about this book, but D. Michael Quinn wrote this enormous book about early Mormonism and the magic worldview and how all these things that we think of as kind of so weird and um, so like counterculture um, were very much a part of like Joseph Smith's and the early saints approaches to um, divine learning, you know, mm-hmm. using amulets, using um, incantations, um, speaking in tongues, things like that. So I think that there is a connection there, but it's just like, like you said, it's very, um, it, it can only be done in like approved ways, right? Like I couldn't, I couldn't go to somebody and like offer to give them a blessing about their, that, that would like reveal any special information about their future. But like patriarchs can do that. And it's just do. like, yeah, and they do. Yeah. It's literally their job. Uh-huh. Um, and so there's just a, there's just like a, a control over it from the institution. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would argue, and I think, um, Mormon women getting so interested in essential oils is like another expression of that. Like we do believe in sort of these, I want in these mystical healings or these mystical approaches to life. Um, but we just, there's only a few outlets that are really um, approved. Yeah. And what, what keeps coming to my mind as you're describing this is it's like, it's like mysticism has been co-opted and sterilized by Mm. Mormonism and then rebranded through appropriate channels. Like it's, it's right. It's, it's been co-opted and and rebranded by, by the patriarchy basically. (laughs) Sure. And I mean, I remember being told so frequently, like in Sunday school lessons, young women lessons when I was younger about how no patriarchal blessings are not fortune telling. They are. Yes. But fortune telling is weird and patriarchal blessings are holy. So we can't mix them together. If, if we could embrace the idea that like, no, that is a form of fortune telling. I mean, it would probably make us feel weird about ourselves, but it would also be more accurate. I would say. Yeah. I mean, it absolutely is. If you think back to your patriarchal blessing, fortune telling into your future, but it's also past. It tells you about your lineage and what you were like before you came to earth. I mean, that's pretty mystical. And then it literally is fortune telling. Like mine told me what callings I was going to hold all about my children, my family, my relationships with my husband. Spoiler alert. None of that came true. (laughs) Whatever. And then like where you're going to be at the resurrection, black and white, no question. It's just so funny. We were taught to value one and discredit another. The only difference being that controlling authority. And there's not really, I mean, I am not an expert on any of this, but in my understanding and my opinion, there's not an understanding of like these divinatory or mystical gifts. And so there are plenty of people called as patriarchs who don't have that gift or don't have any interest in developing it. And there are other people who are, and that's why I still know people who are out of the church or transitioning out or whatever. And they're like, but man, that patriarchal blessing was dead on. And I'm just like, I think your patriarch had mystical gifts. Like that's my guess. That's how I would, I would, put all of that information together. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, one, there's not a one-to-one correlation between an external calling and an internal gift, but that's another kind of mistake I think that we make in Mormonism. Interesting. Talk more about that. Cause I, I guess I don't, I don't have an understanding really of like mystical gifts, like, like maybe you would. So yeah. Mind. And okay. 
Um, no, I just, I, I have felt personally as a tarot reader that I am being given such, um, the only word that comes to mind is stewardship because we're talking about Mormonism. <laughs> I mean, it's such a stewardship when somebody comes to me and they're like, literally, I'm trying to figure out if I should get divorced. I'm trying to figure out if I should tr keep trying to have a baby when all the infertility treatments have done nothing. I'm trying to figure out how to deal um, with the like coming death of my beloved parent. Like these are such important moments. And I know that like, I need to meet them. Um, and, and not just be Sarah, like that I need to offer more than what I feel like I naturally have. Um, and so I feel like that's when a giftedness comes in. And I, I think the, the Mormon ideas of like spiritual gifts, I wouldn't say are like 100% right, but there is something to it that there are some people who have a very sensitive intuition. There are some people who are very gifted with words. There are some people who seem to have a connection to ancestors that other people don't. Um, and when when you bring your mystical gifts to the table, hey. I just think magic can happen. Um, I know people who, I mean, it feels silly to say even in a way, but who are like clairvoyant or clairsentient or clairaudient and like receive information, see things that, and, and I believe them. Like they tell me these things and I believe them um, because because I, because I've experienced their gifts too. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I just think like the universe is so vast and complicated and there are so many people in the world and like, there's room for, for that kind of unexplained magic to be happening. And, and if you happen to get a patriarch who either had a gift like that or was really in tune with the spirit, then maybe you would have a patriarchal blessing that felt incredibly special and, um, like accurate to your life, you know? Yeah. That's so funny that you say that. Um, so coming from like a lot of my listeners obviously are post-Mormon. So they, we have left behind the authority and the priesthood belief and, and the divine source. And, and so we, we've left that. And then and then, and then there's tarot reading and mysticism and, and clairvoyance and things like that. And so do we throw it all out because it's all hogwash or do we look at it through a different lens as you have? And you were saying that there are so many people, you believe them. And there's something that happened to me when I was a child that I have yet to reconcile. And that's why I would like to explore, like for me, what's, what feels right and what doesn't. So when I was a child, my mother worked in the youth center in the temple. The youth center is, it's kind of like a youth preparation room with a few sisters that work in there. And it's for when children will be doing ordinances in the temple. And those happen like if you, if your parents are being sealed, like their marriage is being sealed and they already had children, and so then they bring the children in to be sealed into that union. And so that's like, there, there's like these little exceptions where children get to come into the temple. So that's one. And then maybe if you have, if you adopt a child, then that child isn't born under the covenant of your original sealing. And so that's another opportunity where children, all of the children in your family, if you have more than one, get to come into the temple. And then you are sealed over the altar as a family. 
And so kind of as you're going through, the adults are going through preparatory uh, things before the ordinance happens, the children go to the youth center and then the sisters kind of prepare the children for the ordinance that happens. So my mom worked in that area and she had a friend who worked with her and it's something that my mother loved. It's an opportunity of service that, my mo- that meant a lot to my mother. And this woman um, became a dear friend of hers and we had her over for dinner one night when I was a child. I, I was probably around 12 possibly. And so she came over for dinner with just, I, I'm an only child. So it was just me and my parents and, and this woman and we had a nice night and then, you know, the, the evening ended. And then later when my mother and this woman were working together again in the temple, this woman told her, um, I guess I should back up and say that this woman had working in the temple. She had um, vision, I guess you could say, and she would often see people interacting with the children, people that you, you know, that normal people couldn't see. And so she would kind of talk about these experiences and share them with my mother. And they were very meaningful. And often these, these people, you know, were obviously knew the children and were a part of their, of, of their family. And so this woman shared with my mother that while she was at dinner with my family, that there was um, a woman standing above me kind of behind my chair the entire evening. And she just kind of like stayed with me. And, um, and she looked just like me and my mother and immediately when my mom knew who this person was. And when my mom shared the story with me, I knew who it was. My, uh, my mother lost a child when I was three years old. And so I have a sister that died when, um, my mom was about seven months along. So she was pretty far along. She was still born. And so my, my parents kind of were able to see what she looked like. She looked exactly like me. And so in this story, this woman look, that looks exactly like me, we knew that that was my sister. And this is one of those weird mystical things that how do you explain it when you kind of give up a lot of those religious beliefs and those divine beliefs. But I always felt like she was a part of my life, you know, my, my sister. And she was like my guardian angel and she would be there. And you know, I, I believe that I could commune with her as much as I could commune with God. So like she was there for a comfort. She was there for a guide. And so in this experience for me and my mom to hear this woman say, Hey, there's a girl that looks just like you. And she's standing right over your shoulder. Always. She follows you around. Who is she? And, and of course we're like, Oh, that's definitely my sister. And she had a name and her name was Dana. And so it was kind of a really special experience that I really held dear. And, and I felt like she stayed with me. She was there as long as I needed her. And once I kind of became an adult and, you know, married and had relationships of my own, I felt like her influence in my life kind of waned. I wasn't as in tune with her anymore, but I kind of felt like, well, I don't need her as much anymore as I did when I was a child. I was an only child. I needed the comfort and she was always there. So that's kind of one of those experiences where I'm like, how do I, how do I rationalize all of this input that I had that I believed in that was special to me? You know, like, do I believe in in the clairvoyance? Do I, do I still believe that she was there in that moment? Like, what do you do with that input? Totally. I've heard people describe that as like the second shelf 
that like as you uh, live in a religion and like accumulate more and more questions and doubts, that's up on a shelf and eventually that shelf breaks, right? But then people describe this as the second shelf, like, okay, now that I don't believe anymore, what do I do with all these things that I'm putting up on the shelf? All these things that suggest to me that maybe there is some truth to what I used to believe, or there is something more that I'm not sure how to describe. Um, And it's tricky. Like, I think one thing that I have really appreciated about tarot and related spiritual tools and kind of the spiritual community that pops up around those things is that there's a lot less emphasis on whether something is true or not. It's more just like, is that helpful? Like, is that relevant? And so like, I mean, and I don't want to discount the importance of truth. Like that's a, obviously that's a huge deal, but like, Mm -hmm. to me, it's a lot less important whether tarot is truly like magical or mystical or whatever. It's more just like, it helps me all the time. Like I feel more aware of my values and I feel more, um, like caring in my relationships. Like it's just more helpful, you know? Mm Absolutely. And that might be the same thing with your, with this experience with your sister. It's like the question of whether it was true or real is very important. And then there's also the question of like, what purpose has it served in my life? Like how, what has that given me? Like, how has it helped me? Yeah. And I wrote down the word comfort as we have been talking, because I feel like that's the role that even as you were describing, you know, how you feel called and, and, and like you have the the gift that these people that come to you like in, in whatever need they have, the root of what they're looking for is comfort. And Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a lot of comfort that can be obtained through this as, as a medium, you know, whether you, I love how you said like the emphasis is no longer on truth or validity of the actual, you know, experience. It's the result. It's what, what does it bring to your life? And, and that's, it, that's kind of what, what the gift of maybe pulling away from Mormonism can give us is that it's no longer the black and white. We don't, there doesn't have to be the truth and the validity. This is, this is just an experience that can help us further understand this experience called life. And that's it. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be yeah. true or not true. It's, it's, does it bring you peace and comfort and joy and direction? Mm-hmm. Does it help you? And that's it. And that's all that, that's all that matters. Yeah. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Yes. So do you feel a responsibility as, as if you have this gift and people come to you, like it it feels like a huge responsibility. Like what does that feel like? Um, I, it's very serious. Like it, it is, it does feel like a big responsibility. I actually, um, I spend a lot of time with every reading that I do trying to make sure. And I, I totally say a prayer. Like it's, it's that kind of thing saying a prayer that I can be a clear and open channel for whatever this person needs to receive right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that my, that my guides and, and grandmothers, that's usually how I say it. I ask that my guides and grandmothers will direct my hands and my thoughts and my words. And, um, yeah, it's an immense responsibility. I think there are times when it's really exhausting and times when it's not. Um, it just kind of depends. But um, 
but I also try, like there are times when I've given readings that the information that's coming out through the cards and through my intuitive stuff is mm -hmm. like really hard news to deliver. Um, and, um, and I think part of it is realizing that I would never tell somebody this, but the way I fit, the way I would phrase it is that the spirit wants to tell this person this, and I am willing to like communicate that it is still really tricky. And I think it also involves a lot of trust in the other person that like they will be um, receptive and aware enough to figure out what to, what is of most value to them and whatever I'm saying and sort of like sift out the rest. Mm -hmm. um, it's really tricky. And there are times when I a million percent like wonder if it's um, appropriate. Um, but the feedback that I always get is like, thank you. That was so very helpful. And that clarified things for me. And it made me feel like I have, like I'm empowered and stuff. And so that feedback helps, but like always in the moment, I'm like, Ooh, okay. Like I'm going to steal myself for this, um, hard news or this big news. Wow. So appropriate, yeah. like, what do you mean? Is it appropriate? Meaning is it, is it right? Meaning like, is it my place? kind of like, is it, is it, is it like even, do I have any right to tell this person that they need to do something in their life or they need to stop doing something? Like, is it, is that really up to me? And I, and I usually feel like it is because they came to me explicitly asking that question. They, like, they want that information, but, um, but yeah, I, I think, if you're a caring and like thoughtful person, it's important, like, and it's normal to sort of be like, uh, am I treating this relationship correctly? Am I, am I acting in a kind and honest way? Like you're always kind of just gut checking to, yeah. to see if you're doing what you feel is best and what feels like, um, integrity to you. So that last part was you checking in with yourself and making sure that it's right. But when you first started describing it, this is ironic, but it almost sounded like, do I have the authority? And I was like, oh my God, that's Mormonism again, that authority. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, and I think that's kind of a double-edged sword because I want to make sure that I'm not like thoughtlessly uh, wielding authority that is not mine to wield and that is going to be harmful, like, because I've seen that happen. But then there's also the other side that's like, the reason I'm questioning my authority is because I, I spent my formative years thinking I didn't have any. And so it's kind of this thing where it's like, you don't want to drift. You, you don't want to let the pendulum swing too far where you're like, I have all the authority in the world and I will just do whatever I want versus um, thinking that you have nothing to say in the world. Well, and then like thinking authority is a thing. Like, what if we just throw authority out altogether? What if there's no need for authority? Because as you talked, the word authority came to me and the more you described whether it felt right and checking in and asking, you know, is this something I should be doing and being okay with it because they asked for it. Like if we take out this authority thing, then you don't need to worry. You are providing something that they can interpret and there is no authority. Like it's a gift. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'm not sure of like the right, the right words. Like it's all just very, <laughs> cause like, 
the ultimate thing that I want to do in any reading is reinforce that person's power in their yeah. own life. You know, so you and are supporting like, their authority. I'm you supporting their because I think yeah, I think authority um, in your own life and in your own um, choices is really important. Anyway, so yeah, no, that's an interesting thing to bring up. I'm going to think about that more in the word authority and what what it brings up because yeah. that's that's a good one. <laughs> So you, you talked about that you say a prayer and, and I was going to ask you, who do you pray to? But then you said that you pray to your guides and your grandmothers. So tell me about what you that know, means to you. Yeah. I don't even know that I pray to my guides and grandmothers. I just pray in a general sort of way. I, I'll, this is what I usually say to myself. Mm-hmm. And if I'm, if I'm happening to do a reading where the other person's not in the room, then I might say it out loud. But I'll usually say, um, I am offering myself as a clear and open vessel for whatever information this person needs at this time. And I ask my guides and grandmothers to be with me and to direct my hands and my thoughts and my words. And I invite any guides and grandmothers of this person, the person I'm doing the reading for, to Uh be here as well um, to support their growth and their, their intuitive wisdom. Um, and so when I say the prayer, it's just sort of like sending it out. You know, I invoke my guides and grandmothers, meaning, um, my literal and figurative ancestors and guides is more, it's harder to put into words because there are some people who have like complex theories of like, here are all the different kinds of guides that you can have with you. Here are angels, here are spirit guides here, you know? And it's Mm -hmm. like, I don't know about any of that, but I do, I believe in the possibility. And I, and I have always felt that like we have connection to something greater than ourselves or something that maybe we can't see. And so I'm just, it's, it's a way of putting myself in the headspace of like, I am welcoming um, help here, (laughs) you know, from, from whoever, whatever is here to provide that help. Mm -hmm. Um, and as far as who I'm praying to, again, it's just kind of like anybody out there to hear me, like almost like a, to whom it may concern, like anybody who can hear this, who has some say in what's going on, like go ahead and listen. Anybody else feel free to disregard. Do you feel like there's ever any antagonistic listeners or influencers? Is that something that you've experienced? I don't. And I wouldn't say it's because there aren't, but, um, but I do try and I was taught to try to specify like any guides and grandmothers who are interested in helping, you know what I mean? Mm. Um, so I, I, I just haven't really had that experience very much. And, but it's possible that anything that might feel like it's getting in the way, I might just attribute to myself. And I haven't really thought through whether that's true. I might be thinking of myself as like, you know, being too nervous or whatever, you know, fill in the blank to something to any interference. Any interference might just be me or it might not be. Right. Interesting. And so you mentioned the spirit. What is, what does the spirit mean to you? The spirit. I mean, I have always had really positive associations with the spirit in Mormonism. Like the idea of the Holy Ghost, that was just always a really comforting, uncomplicated, positive thing for me. Mm -hmm. And so 
now in the spiritual circles that I run in, people usually use spirit as a word that kind of circumvents the whole God problem, like the masculine um, or just a, a figure that people have a lot of baggage with. People will usually use the word spirit, at least as far as I understand, to sort of talk about an all-encompassing connective energy. And so it was easy for me to sort of transfer my language from God or Heavenly Father to spirit because spirit was already familiar um, as a word that I used all the time. Mm -hmm. And and I also like how it's like the spirit is huge, but it's also very personal. We talk about a person's spirit and we talk about kind of a, a more ephemeral spirit. Like, and so mm -hmm. I really love that, like the universe in one and the one in the universe kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure how much sense that makes, but the word spirit just always felt like, um, like it really worked, you know, when I wanted to talk about something bigger, but didn't know exactly what to call it. Okay. I like that. Yeah. We talked about mystical gifts expressed in early Mormonism and you had some ideas on what Mormon folks, especially Mormon women have to gain from practices like tarot. Did you want to touch on that a little bit? Just that in my experience, there's a real reclaiming of power that comes from something like tarot. Um, because it's not externally mediated. There's no tarot board of directors who like <laughs> endows people with the ability to read tarot. Like it's literally you get a deck and you teach yourself and you rely on your own wisdom and your own connection and your own like insights and connections with the cards. Um, and so I love tarot for that reason, the reclamation of power. I also think coming from a Mormon background, we, a lot of people have a real understanding of like symbolic language and um, archetypes that are reflected in the tarot. And so it might like be kind of a good transition piece. Um, and I also think this is tricky to communicate, that, but I think the tarot and other things like it are really tapped into the feminine. And by the feminine, I don't mean like heavenly mother. I don't mean female. I just mean like the set of qualities that culture has assigned to like be feminine. So things like receptivity and stillness and um, receiving and um, and the earth as opposed to, um, it's just so tricky to get into because feminine is like such a loaded term, but um, the tarot is really a tool that, that honors and hones those um less flashy gifts <laughs> and yeah. so it doesn't seem to feel like it ha comes with as much of the baggage of being like a pastor or or doing some other sort of spiritual leadership thing where you're up in front of people um it's more about the stillness and the relationality um and that's not to say that all women you know women aren't really any more feminine than men are um or non-binary people or anything it's just that coming from a Mormon background, the masculine has been very emphasized. And so having something that's more um, about um, sharing and receiving as opposed to like leading and, and having the truth is just like a good counterbalance. Yeah. Yeah. I love all of that that you said. I like how you made the distinction between female and feminine traits that as a society are most commonly attributed to women but can and are often utilized by both genders or by non-binary individuals. 
they are just traits. And I love that you called them the fleshy traits. Like That's perfect. Because even though authority and patriarchy can be considered non-fleshy, it kind of is because patriarchy has this like, this like brawn that comes with it. But that's not what tarot is about at all. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's more... Yeah. Oh, I could just go on and on. And I don't even know that I would always have the right words for it, but there's something about tarot that is so like shadowy and like in the, in the moon and in the womb. Like, I know this sounds so woo woo, but there's just something very like dark, but like in a very comforting way. Um, it's, it's all about living in that shadow space. And I just love it. I think it's a really beautiful like way to access parts of life that we don't usually pay any attention to because we're so in the masculine all the time. Well, yeah. And it's like that mysticism because it's not something that we focus on, but tarot and magic and things like this give us opportunity to pause and be self-reflective. I feel like that's the real beauty. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I feel like people get tarot readings sometimes when they have like a decision to make, sometimes when they just feel like they're at an important turning point, but really like, Uh, People, people get readings for all kinds of reasons. Comfort. I feel like it comes down to comfort. Like you need to find comfort in a difficult decision or in coping with something in your life. So I guess that answers the question of what's the point of a reading? What does one get out of it? It's mixed. It's based on the individual. Mm -hmm. It is. Um, And I think, but I think the connecting thing is that like, stillness that you it's so easy to kind of just be like asking a lot of questions of yourself and not really taking time to like delve into the possible answers and like swim in the deep waters of your like soulful wisdom um if you get a tarot reading it's a half hour or an hour however long where you are dedicated to thinking about like your own growth and the processes and the energies you're moving in so like that's what you get out of it And sometimes that like energizes you. Sometimes it kind of smacks you on your ass. Like it depends, but that's that Mm -hmm. opportunity to really just reflect is huge. I think. Yeah. It's like therapy. (laughs) It is like therapy a million percent. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it is. Wow. It's that intense opportunity to self-reflect that can be scary. Mm -hmm. Yes. All of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So I like the the question, why is tarot popular right now? Do you feel like it's gaining in popularity? For sure. Yeah. And I'm, I would imagine I have read think pieces like this, so I'm sure they're out there on Google if anyone wants to find them, but like tracking the resurgence of tarot and like, you can, you can track it by searches on Google. You can track it by like how well these things sell on Amazon or whatever. There's lots of different measures, but um, yeah, tarot has exploded in the last definitely the last five years and maybe it like started before that. But I think, um, there's, there are definitely some interesting, um, astrological commentaries on that. And I don't know enough to even know, but I've heard a lot of people that I really respect talk about, you know, when this planet moved into this sign, it was the beginning of a change that made people more interested in sort of the ethereal, um, alternative spiritualities or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I also think honestly, like the, the feminist uh, resurgence or evolution or whatever of the last five or 10 years 
um, has been huge for women just wanting to be like, I am claiming my own power. Like I'm getting into crystals. I am, you know, I'm going to live by the cycles of the moon. Um, and kind of wanting to have a spiritual path that isn't mediated by men or even that men care about, like almost intentionally choosing things that men think are really silly. Yeah. And not just not men, because there are male tarot readers a million percent, but like the patriarchy that the patriarchy would say is silly um, or, you know, just kind of like connecting into that witchy side or that witchy ancestry and saying, I am separating myself from like polite society in order to do this thing because it's a way of owning my own power outside of the system. You know, I think that that's been a big part of it. Um, yeah. There are just also just so many beautiful decks now that a lot of people are just like, ah, it's so pretty. Like I have to get this beautiful deck for myself or whatever. I love it. So you generously offered to do a tarot reading for me, but before we get into that, I wanted to talk about like for my listeners, if they wanted to get into tarot and if it's something that yeah. they to do, like you do tarot reading, Sarah. So talk about how my listeners can get into tarot reading or you. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, just to share Like I'm on, I'm online and I'm on Instagram. My account is cottonwood tarot, um, or cottonwoodtarot.com. Um, I'm always interested. I love doing readings, especially for people in the Mormon world. Like, I just feel like there's a real connection there that works out great. Um, but then if you're, I, I think anybody who's interested in reading, especially for themselves, like go for it, find a deck and, and use Instagram, use their sites like little red tarot is a great resource for, um, card interpretations and just information about tarot. Um, there's another one called Biddy tarot, B I D D Y. Those are really, um, good resources to learn. I would also recommend that there's a podcast called tarot for the wild soul. Mm -hmm. Um, those are just good resources and good places to start, but you can also just get into like the tarot community on Instagram and find a lot of really um, talented and interesting radical people who are using tarot. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a big, it, like anything, it's like you can kind of get intimidated by the vastness of this community or this hobby or this um, magical tool, but like, it's really just about starting somewhere and, and just kind of learning as you go. I was reading tarot for like, four years before I, um, read for anybody else, you know, it's, it's like, wow. it takes a while to learn, but all the way, all, all along the way, you're just like gaining new insights and it's kind of building on each other. So I think it's wonderful. Anybody who has any interest should a hundred percent get themselves a deck. There's mm -hmm. also a, a common, common belief out there that like, it's unlucky to buy your own deck. You should wait for someone else to give you one. I've purchased all my own decks. Like, let's just debunk <laughs> that right now. Um, so yeah, I would um, so, so heartily encourage it. Wow. You have such a, such a, an, an honorary respect for the practice and the art of tarot. And I, I find that in, just enchanting and amazing. So. Hey, well, thank you. That's very <laughs> kind of you. It's, it's been a pleasure to learn more. So if, if you would be so kind. I, I don't even know how to ask for yeah. a tarot. 
this point, but I will. Well, <laughs> yeah, I will absolutely give you a tarot reading. Um, I think just for simplicity, maybe just three cards. Okay. Um, we could do. Um, and I really like to do this reading. Um, it's called the mirror medicine and message. So the first card is sort of like just to reflect your current state. Mm -hmm. The second card is medicine or something that you can incorporate um, more into your life as like a healing or a balm. And then the final one is message. And depending on what people feel more drawn to, sometimes I'll say it's like a message from the divine, a message from your higher self, um, whatever, you know, kind of feels more right to you. Um, But how does that sound? Beautiful. The video for that tarot reading is posted right now on patreon.com slash Mormon happy hour. Please check out the tiers and join at whatever level that you are comfortable with so that you can get all of the extra bonus material that comes with all of my fantastic interviews and early releases and just extra bonus stuff. And, you know, props, you get to support Mormon happy hour and its creation because let me tell you, this episode took a fucking long time. Days. It took days because of that stupid audio problem. So anyway, I'm just glad that I got through it and that I have it for you. And if you want to watch the actual reading, it's really, really, really fun. So please visit us on Patreon. And that wraps up today's topics. We are so glad you stopped by. Be sure to join the Mormon Happy Hour on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon. If you smiled, please drop us a five-star review wherever you found us. See you next week. Cheers!